And welcome to the Everyman Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Jay. I'm Dom. And tonight we'll be discussing some current events that have left ripples through society, more or less. And a lot's gone on. We'll talk briefly about Jordan Peterson and his re-education, according to some people. They find it necessary to re-educate him. We'll discuss that in depth. The revolution in Brazil and, of course, the Twitter files. Elon Musk, the new CEO and owner of Twitter, has released some previously unknown um, elements of Twitter's operating procedure that, of course, was labeled conspiracy, conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, conspiracy theorists are getting a lot right these days. Yeah. And we'll go through all that as well as something within your wheelhouse. We will discuss the FTX crypto scheme. Yeah. And who benefited from that. Yeah. I, I think the... Uh before we get into any dialogue, I think the the theme since we last spoke, not that this has increased since we last spoke, but it definitely feels like it's becoming more, at least prevalent in the news, or at, uh, at the very least, I think if you're skeptical and you're always keen on trying to identify this or keep an eye on it in society, you're more aware of these sorts of malfeasance or fraud or corruption but now it's it's not only is it blatant it's also getting to the point where in each of these you know topics or themes that we may discuss the underlying kind of message is that there's institutions that are now you know it's not a voluntary understanding of what their what their narrative or prerogative might be it's almost like they're forcing it down your throat it's like we'll start off with the jordan peterson point but it just seems like in all of them, we're, we're now not only made aware of corruption, we're forced to accept the corruption. And it's almost like, it's like, oh, this is okay now. With the standard of, of what's right and wrong, the morality, the ethics of it. You know what I mean? I don't know what you think. I know we'll get into more depth, but that's kind of what I see is happening. It just seems like also in the news, it's, it's like they're just shoving it down your throat now. Well, let's begin at the beginning. Um, you've been following what's going on with Jordan Peterson? Yeah. Yeah. So Jordan Peterson, um, all in all, it's not like, if, we, if for those who don't know, uh, was a UFT professor and clinician. Um, I'm not exactly sure what type of counseling he did for his patients and clientele. To my understanding, it was um, traumatic uh, events, addiction, and things of that nature, but I'm sure he's practiced with a variety of, of patients for different topics. Including um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one thing about Jordan Peterson. He definitely doesn't know anything about soccer. No, no, I don't think he you know. I think when you're thrust into that position where you're you're like, what's your opinion on X? And he's he just says what he says. Well, he said that uh, Messi can't be the greatest of all time because he never won English Premier League. Oh. Okay, a couple things, Jordan. Um Lionel Messi has bodied all the best English Premier League teams. Yeah. Okay. Premier League sucks, and I don't care who knows it. You're saying in Champions League, he or in friendlies, League, he absolutely destroys them. Yeah. Okay. He's. I think he's got like a crazy number of goals. 
against yeah. all the top Champions League teams. Yeah. So if by some fluke or miracle Jordan Peterson ends up listening to this, don't talk about soccer, bro. You don't know anything about it. But anyway, back to the matter. <laughs> back to his re-education. Yeah. Uh, so he's in the gulag recently because um, I think... Not literally, I hope. He's in a... Yeah, no, he's in a... I guess a metaphorical gulag, not not a literal gulag. I mean, well, I don't... They're I, trying to cancel him again. Yeah, they're trying to cancel him again, uh, at least in from a medical perspective. So to give a kind of a synopsis, he's obviously taken a turn. He was practicing more, and then he got big through Joe Rogan's podcast, and then I think he's been able to monetize different platforms and different audiences, um, writing, so on and so forth. So I'm assuming he's got multiple income streams. I don't know if he even lives in Toronto anymore. I've got no idea what his personal circumstances are, but I, I doubt he even practices. So he's made more, I think in the past six months or so, he's made more of a, he's had more of an inclination to try to, I guess, go against these, if you want to call them woke narratives or, you know, yeah, that's pretty much what he's known for, right? People yeah. people follow him for a variety of reasons, I would imagine, but he's known primarily as the the guy who stands firm against all the woke um ideology narrative and ideologies that society or certain fractions of society seem very hell bent on pushing. Um he probably rose to prominence when he refused to acknowledge pronouns. Yes. Right? That was the first, yeah. That was the first, and then his celebrity star kind of grew from there. So what are they upset with him about specifically? I know that they probably take umbrage with just about everything he says. Yeah. But what is it now? So they uh, just to give a, a slightly little bit more context, so he did get – he uh, made a remark about, I think, an actress turned actor. So it's a transgender – I'm not familiar with the vernacular or the naming that they use. But anyways, he, he made a comment – Months ago, his coincidentally, we'll talk about the Twitter files, but his account was canceled, uh, banned, I, I guess. Yeah. And then it was reactivated by Musk. And when he, I guess he he went on the offensive again, Jordan Peterson. And he's just he's consistent. Right? I follow him on Twitter. He's 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 always putting out dialogue to that effect. And I think he made a remark recently, specifically on transgenderism and, and again woke ideology. And now it's gotten to the point where he is specifically, I, I, he was given some form of a letter or a memo from the... But what did he do? What did he do that got them upset before the memo came? He, he tweeted some not nice statements to some individuals. Do, and we, I, do we have those? Can we read them? Um, I don't have them in front of me right now but I, I can pull them up i i just have the summary of the article because i didn't realize we, were, we can go into depth into it but the i'm call, just curious what it was what what was the uh, breaking point for this uh, psychiatric board what they what they found so intolerable so specifically they're referring to the fact that he, the, the, the to be honest with you this one in particular so in the memo they brought up multiple points but the one that was the catalyst for the college at the college of psychologists of ontario is that he criticized Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and he retweeted conservative leader Pierre Polyev based on um, complaints from individuals whose identities have thus far been kept confidential. So I'm assuming somebody reported him to 
the College of Psychologists. For, for what though? I'm still not understanding. What did he say specifically? That he got made him in trouble. Yeah, he made he retweeted. Uh, I can pull it up if you give me a second. Sure. Um, he retweeted a, a, a tweet from Pierre Polyev. Let me see if I can pull it up on my phone. And essentially, what happened is is that uh, for those of you listening outside of Canada. Justin Trudeau is the very, very controversial Prime Minister of Canada. He's not controversial. What are you talking about? Yeah. So he is a very polarizing figure. A lot of people don't like him. Um, but somehow, some way, he keeps winning elections. I'm not alluding to the fact that I think the elections are rigged. I do believe there are enough people still voting for him. I'm not trying to say that at all, but he's a very controversial figure, and he's very polarizing in Canada right now. Pierre Polivier is his opposition, and he has promised to set Canada on the on the right track because Canadians feel as though they're in probably the worst economic Culture. Disaster, yeah, Mul- on multiple fronts yeah. that they've ever seen in their lifetime, arguably in anyone's lifetime in Canada, and the, the culture in Canada has just changed, and many people feel it's not for the it's not for the better. Okay, so, sorry to interrupt. I have the, the go ahead. The let's, tweet. let's hear it. So, um, what what happened was is that um, so Pierre Polyev is the opposition leader to Justin Trudeau mm-hmm. yep. in Canada. So he's kind of on the conservative or what would be the Republican comparison. Yep. Okay. And the tweet that Peterson said was these mandates, he's referring to the medical mandates that, uh, that uh, I guess the Trudeau's, Trudeau's on his campaign saying we can't be authoritarian, but he's been basically authoritarian. He says, yep. Peterson says these mandates bring out the petty authoritarian and everyone tasked with enforcing them. Not a good practice in a free society. And then he tweeted exactly at Justin Trudeau, and Pierre Polyev retweeted it. And then Polyev made a second follow-up video to that effect, and Jordan Peterson retweeted that. And then somebody reported that to the College of Psychologists. And just to be clear, these mandates are in respect to what? The medical mandates that I think that they're referring to specifically medical mandates that were enforced throughout uh, COVID, so specifically the lockdowns, and I think specifically referring to the Okay, which protests. is something a lot of people took exception to. Um, he had protesters under what, what's the name of the act that he did? He, he emergency used? Orders the, Act. Okay, the Emergency Orders Act, which is extreme. And police and military personnel were treating these protesters with extreme prejudice. It, yeah. it, this, was, this got received notoriety the world over. Um, Trudeau received a tongue lashing when he went to Europe by several um, um, members of the uh, EU. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's a very polarizing figure. So Jordan Peterson criticized the mandates. And he's also referring to some of the political mandates or initiatives that he has now, specifically surrounding climate change and as well as um, policy mandates as they're referring to uh, immigration and how they're affecting infrastructure in Ontario, across Canada, but specifically in Ontario. So... I think he's taken exception. Peterson has taken exception to the fact that it's not this level of control that he seems to have through this majority party with the NDP. 
yeah, it seems like it's, it's he's almost usurping this power and he's trying to use it at his behest for, for political means. It's not like so. A, then the psychiatry board decided to request that Jordan Peterson submit himself for re-education. Yes, so they basically gave him a multi-page memorandum or memo that's that outlines outlines specifically how he's contradicting um I suppose his medical oath that he takes on when he's practicing psychology which he's not doing right now. So I I don't see how he's in conflict specifically right now and again I don't know if he has any patients in Ontario. So the the gist is that yes they're they're asking that he reeducate himself they'll basically they're basically threatening him to say if you comply with our request you can keep your license and if you don't comply we're revoking your license to practice psychiatry what is his response to all this been <laughs> he's gone on a tear for the past week and a half he's he's put up an official I guess you can say rebuttal, uh, a legal case as to why that is unethical. And I guess he's going to try to, I don't know if there's a committee or some sort of forum that they can discuss that um, with respect to it, it, its validity and whether that could be enforced. And then indirectly, he's he's tweeting every day of how he's been able to influence people he shared screenshots of messages that he receives on instagram and on twitter saying people you know you, you saved my life you felt me out so much so on and so forth and i think um he's just basically trying to rebuke what they're saying yeah he's got a, he's got a pretty big fan base the world over um he's also got his his own fair share of detractors but uh, before we even touch on any of that do you think there's any merit to them wanting to re-educate him do you think there's any merit to it at all? No. Okay, so do you, like many others have spoken to, they found they find it to be another strong-arm tactic to anyone who speaks against what some have come to accept as the official narrative. Yeah. So the official narrative, for those who don't know, there's many people who believe that governments the world over and this is a bit of a conspiracy theory but not so really. let me, but yeah. not really but let me just add that disclaimer not everyone accepts this is truth um people have suggested that there is an official narrative that is being propagated by governments mainstream media outlets and major enterprises that it seems to be one big coordinated effort to push about one narrative mm -hmm. in solidarity. So Jordan Peterson is one of the rabble-rousers, we'll call him, mm -hmm. who he prides himself on standing against this narrative. He finds this narrative unethical. So in your opinion, and in just let's, for argument's sake, let's say that this narrative does exist and that this coordinated effort to push about this narrative does exist. Is this another strong arm tactic hmm. of, you know, the powers that be, we'll call them for lack of a better term, to punish a dissident? I think so. It reminds me, it's, it's eerily similar of the USSR kind of uh, KGB 
whether or not it's not necessarily using military, but it, it's the psychological tactic that it seems like all these governments are trying to employ on a at least a federal or a national level and, and dole out. That I, I don't like, it's almost like when you bring something like that up, people go, how can you bring it up and make a comparison to the, to World War II? How can you make a comparison to the Holocaust? How can you make a comparison to Soviet Union and Russia and the Holodomor? Like there's, there's all these uh, comparisons that we're not allowed to make. I don't know. I don't know what you think, but for me personally, it just reminds me of your, your, you have, you have dissidents, people who disagree via free speech that don't approve of what you're trying to roll out. And it just reminds me of in, in Russia when they just killed, like they killed all the, the, the intellects, they killed all the people with high status, all the people who opposed them. That's not, they're not killing Jordan Peterson, but in effect, they're trying to cut him off from practicing. Well, I definitely believe that there is a coordinated effort to push narratives. I do believe it because I see evidence of it every day. You'll notice that some narratives that are brought about and spoken about, like climate change, for example. Mm -hmm. Climate change, if you watch any television show produced after, we'll say, 2018, at some point or another, they're going to mention climate change or something with respect to climate change, which will echo almost perfectly what you'll hear politicians who lobby for climate change um, referendum Mm -hmm. are saying. It will mimic perfectly what celebrities say when they're on the podium and they're on the microphone. So it's just a little bit too much of a coincidence for me personally. It, It just seems coordinated. Now, do what you will with that information. Some people believe that there's a group of people who pull all the strings. That's, you know, in the conspiracy theory world, they believe that there is, um, some call it the top 1%, some call it the elites, whatever you want to call it. They say that these people hand out narratives, and if you're part of the establishment, if you're on the right side of the establishment, rather, you will assist them in spreading this information. Now more than ever, that seems to be the case. I know a lot of people reject this. They say, oh, no, no, that's that's tinfoil hat type stuff. I think if you're being honest with yourself, you're seeing that there is certain narratives that are pushed almost unilaterally across the board through media outlets, through social media platforms, through celebrities, through financial institutions, um, and major enterprise the world over, including political figures. Then you have these dissidents, these people who have kind of made a name for themselves speaking out against it. Jordan Peterson being one of them, Andrew Tate being another. These people seem to be targeted, right? Andrew Tate, okay, he's he's not really a choir boy. No, he can he can he can get he can find trouble on his own merit. But I've been following a little bit about his arrest, not very closely, but enough. And his his version of things seems to be um, quite different than what some of the people who dislike him or even hate him say happened. 
just off topic, did you see what happened with him and Greta Thorn, Thornburg? Is that Thunberg, her name? Thornburg, yeah. Thun, Thunberg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> okay. I was just about to ask you, but what's the common theme for both, like both of these topics? You can kind of see well, that. I, I don't know if that's what you're, you're uh, getting uh, at, too. For starters, her insult against him yeah. made absolutely no fucking sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's got no leg to stand on, right? Well, she was being hailed. Oh, she owned him. Oh, she gave it to him good, you know. So I don't know if you you know specifically what I'm referring to. Andrew Tate tweeted a list of his car collection, and yeah. he was boasting about their carbon emissions, yeah. right? Yeah. And he tweeted at her, and he says, hey, do you, you want to see my car collection, right? And he yeah. started listing their, their emissions and whatever. And she goes, sure, email me a list. Send it to my email at smalldickenergy at yahoo or whatever.com. So everyone went nuts. Oh, she got him good. Oh, she got him good. That'll show you Tate and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But that made no sense. That would Small dick energy was her email address, according to this tweet. <laughs> so he, he made a video and he said, like, do you not realize what you said? So you're, I don't want to presume your gender, he said, facetiously, obviously. He says, so your email is smalldickenergy at yahoo.com. Yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't even think of what up until this point because I just, I briefly read it and like on a yeah no he's one hundred percent right that's what her tweet said yeah and then he had somebody come by and offer him a slice of pizza he goes oh yeah thank you I will have some pizza make sure you don't recycle those boxes <laughs> so he's he's pretty good at trolling people I'll give him that no, he's a master troll yeah I'll give him that for sure but anyway where was I going with this yeah she is a hero why I mean I don't find her particularly charismatic. I don't know about you. Do you? No, she's not charismatic. I mean, she was like a poster child for for climate change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for climate change. Yeah. And now they kind of made a celebrity. Oh, sorry about that. Let me turn That's... that off. Um, yeah. So basically, she's a celebrity because she advocated the narrative, and he is a pariah. Not in the underbelly of society where he has quite quite a bit of a following, but among the mainstream media outlets. Remember, this guy was banned from most social media platforms until recently. I think Twitter brought him back. And Piers Morgan brought him back um, as a guest yeah. on his own show where they started off. It was a bit adversarial at first, but I think he he managed to win Piers over by the end of it. And now Piers, I think, has stood up for him on a number of occasions, right? So... I don't think he's that bad of a guy personally. I don't agree with everything he says, but who do you agree with 100% of the time? Yeah. Assuming he's he's innocent from these charges, which I, from what I can gather he is, but we'll, we don't know unless it's tried in court. But Well, he's had a target on his back since he proudly wore the badge of a rebel as someone who's going to stand out against the establishment. He's He's kind of worn this bullseye on him. His brother, I saw a video where his brother explained the chain of events leading to his arrest. So he had a house party, which is a pretty common occurrence, mm-hmm. right? These guys live like party animals. And um, there was a girl there who was in a relationship, but her boyfriend was not there. Mm. So her boyfriend found out that she was there while they were talking over the phone. And he said, where are you? And she goes, well, I'm at the Tate brother's house. Uh, I'm at a party. And... He then said, oh, well, what are you doing there? 
And she says, well, I didn't want to come. They made me come. So he called the police, according to Tristan Tate. The boyfriend called the police, and the police went over there because they thought that the Tate brothers had kidnapped her. That's the version I heard. Mm -hmm. So I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. But there does seem to be this recurring theme of people who proudly boast um, rebellion against the the narrative, we'll call it, or the establishment, and then them being becoming pariahs and being targeted. Yeah. Now, it, it's possible that these people just happen to be troublemakers, and it's a coincidence. But it's also possible that it's not a coincidence. Well, you you made a remark that you said proudly rebelling, and I don't know if you could say George. I think okay, there's an element to that with Jordan Peterson. But uh, absolutely, he's so proud. I wouldn't say proud. He's not. I think he does it. He tries to do it in a way, unless he's really antagonized. To me, it seems a slightly more honorable way to do it, or a civilized oh, he, way to do it. He's an honorable and civilized man, but but he he definitely enjoys the fact that they can't intimidate him, or well, that he doesn't I, I think, allow himself to be intimidated. I think as he should, as yeah, he I, should. Hey, that's fair. Yeah, that's I, fair. I don't. I don't know if there. I don't think that it, it's not like he he's not really demonizing or belittling or bemoaning anything that's not. Uh, at least from a critical thinker's perspective, that it's not, um, I don't want to say deserving, but at least it, it's uh, fighting the good fight against this woke narrative. But I think the commonality between both of them, um, to tie everything together, is that they're both antithetical to the establishment, they're both antithetical to the narrative that they're trying to promote. So whether we're talking about Jordan Peterson or Andrew Tate or I mean, there's a degree in, in spectrum. You could say like a guy like Andrew Tate, he's on the most extreme, bashful end, and maybe Peterson's a couple of degrees back, and then you'll have, you know, like alternative media sources. You can get like uh, the guys at Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro and his crew that are also putting out m a much more conservative and modest approach, but similarly going, maybe it's a little bit uh, less libertarian, but it's it's still against the establishment of what currently exists. So I, I think the problem, uh, from when I read the article, and you know, this this article that we were referencing before was from National Post, and we're talking specifically about how the College of Physicians and Surgeons is is, is trying to re-educate them. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, you, what do you mean you're trying to re-educate somebody? Like, the very notion of we have a disagreement, so therefore you must undergo this process to ensure you meet our standards. They want to subjugate him, it sounds like to me. Yeah. They want yeah. to subjugate him. They want him to bend the knee. Yeah. And Jordan Peterson prides himself on not bending the knee. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, to me, it looks like another example of them using strong-arm tactics to basically... Silence, bully, and intimidate someone who's not playing ball. I don't really consider myself a conspiracy theorist, but I will say I 100% believe that narratives are, co in a coordinated manner, propagated by mainstream establishments. And people who don't embrace said narratives are usually, at best case scenario, they're ignored. Worst case scenario, they're ostracized. Mm -hmm. Or deplatformed, or both. So we saw it with Alex Jones. 
Alex Jones was deplatformed on every social media platform. Yeah. Okay, he, he was sent packing. A lot of people have a lot of strong feelings about Alex Jones, and, and I understand that. He's not everybody's cup of tea, especially the way he, he presents his case. Mm-hmm. But it should worry people a little bit that they have the power to just get rid of you. Because let's say for argument's sake that they had it right with Alex Jones. Let's say he is the kind of guy that the world is better off without. Mm-hmm. What happens when they move the goalposts? What happens when they decide now Jordan Peterson meets that threshold? You're saying what's acceptable to say and what's unacceptable to say. I don't think it's acceptable to have any group of people decide who can and cannot speak. And that's just me. Some people disagree with me, but I would like to ask those people individually, what happens when you're the one? Yeah, where do they stop? Who suddenly meets the threshold for cancellation? Yeah. What happens when those goalposts just keep moving? Or do you just trust that these people will regulate themselves in a in a favorable manner for society and they'll stop whenever they see fit? So I don't like what they're doing to Jordan Peterson. I, I mean, ultimately, do I think it's going to make or break him? No. I think he's going to ride the publicity wave. I think the people who like him will still like him. And you're right. I don't think psychiatry is is bread and butter anymore. No, absolutely. I think not. he's transcended past that. But yeah. still, it's worth mentioning that this is yet another petty tactic of intimidation and just trying to make someone else's life miserable. Do you think there's something to be said for if if you take a step back and you remove the names? this case of the oppressor, I suppose you can say, of the college and the victim of Jordan Peterson in this case. Do you think that there's something to be said that if you look at this on a personal level, can you exhibit, like on both sides, if you look at both perspectives, is there merit on either side? And personally, should you exhibit this in your own life and stand up either for what you believe in and or what's ethical or, or what you believe to be moral. Like, do you, do you think, I think, because I think the problem that most individuals may have is that when they see a scenario like this, they kind of dehumanize it and they almost make it like a number, so to speak. It's very objective, like they, or not objective. It's, um, I don't know how to really characterize it. It's almost like they make Jordan Peterson is, is like a, a non-human, non-material kind of person. And it's just, well, this is the our narrative. And if you take this on like on a personal level, you know, if you have a friend or a colleague or something to that effect, and they may have the same thing. Do you think there's something to be said that people need to have a better understanding to have a, a good conversation or have a better understanding of what's, what's actually at stake here when we accept this as just another thing going on in society? You know what I mean? I think people have just basically become a little bit too aloof and not in a good way. I don't mean aloof as in, you know, they're composed and stoic. I mean, they're aloof as in they just, they don't care. They don't empathize with with um, what's relevant anymore. Mm. They don't empathize with morals anymore. And I don't know if it's a perfect storm. 
that we're seeing right now, but this is the best time for injustice to prevail because people don't have it in them anymore to speak up, to be moral, and to fight for what's right. But I shouldn't say that everywhere in the world because we're going to actually segue very nicely into our next topic. In Brazil, Mm. there's practically a revolution going on. I don't know how successful it's going to be, but there are, what, millions of people standing against the current regime? Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert on what's going on over there, but I am impressed at how determined and resolute these people are. That's incredible. You you maybe just want to fill us in on a little bit of what's transpired there. I know that this is Bolsonaro lost the election to Lula. Lula, yeah. Lula, or it is Lula, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. He's co- he's a co- just for context. He's a communist leader, the opposing party of what? Actually, a communist. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there is a seemingly huge contingent of people that don't believe the election was fair. And I know that this is a, this has become a common theme now to suggest elections are rigged. Um, conservatives have been accused of doing this a lot, not accepting election results. But I would like to remind everyone that this trend started a long time ago. Mm-hmm. 2016, Hillary Clinton claimed that Russia interfered with the elections. Yeah. It's not like she took her loss in stride. So I don't know if this is a conservative ailment. It, it's I, I don't think so. I think it's just when, when the results are convenient for the politician to make a statement, then that's when they'll do it. She actually, hers is the worst case because she won the popular vote. Mm-hmm. So if you say the machines are broken, well, you got more votes. He just won. No, the I, I think she said that Russia leaked some things about her that were true. Oh. Uh. <laughs> they had no business leaking. Those truths? <laughs> yeah, it was true that Russia, you know, Russia leaked these things. And, you know, who are they to hack her computer system and tell the truth? Julian mm-hmm. Assange was another one that uh, WikiLeaks. A truther. Yeah. Yeah. He, he leaked things that, you know, were true. <laughs> and she just had a problem with the method in which they were revealed. So, she, but either way, she didn't accept the defeat well at yeah. all. And uh, then, of course, Trump didn't accept his defeat in, um, in, in, the, in the last election, which gave us Joe Biden. Beautiful Whew. Joe Biden. Speaking of, he's he's under some fire right now. They're, they're finding some, I don't know what may come of it, but. Joe Biden is part of the Teflon crowd. He's he's untouchable. Uh, I don't know. I think cause he's part of the gelato gelato crowd where he's just eating ice cream every day. His brain is ice cream right now. So I don't. I, he's, he's just a puppet. The the guy is senile as can be. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. listening to that guy is painful. Yeah. Okay. Trump was. He can be annoying and he can be irritating at times, but listening to Biden is wow. What a word salad that guy comes up with sometimes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow, I can't believe that guy says the things that he says. He must be on some form of amphetamine, in my opinion. Like, he's got to be on something to keep him going straight, as straight as he, he purportedly is. But, yeah, anyways, yeah, there, there's a... Uh, Did you see that ad? This is my favorite ad. It was when, when he was running against Trump in the last election, and Donald Trump put out this ad. It was Joe Biden, and he says... some. I'm paraphrasing, but he says, we can, we can only elect Donald... Oh, excuse me. 
we have to elect Donald Trump. Yeah, and then it just cuts to a voiceover of Donald Trump saying, I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Biden is one confused fellow. Yeah. He is one confused guy. Well, and if you look at a guy like that, you got to think how can a how did he potentially get in office? But apparently he's the most popular president ever in terms of votes. So Yeah, I know. There's, but there's, there's, look, there's people that say that's obviously because they read the election because how can a guy like him get that many votes? That's I've heard that said by a number of people. And then there are others that will argue, okay, maybe he's not the most popular president in that respect, but those people were actually just voting against Trump. Yeah. Now, it's plausible that that many people don't like Trump. Let's call a spade a spade. Pa- was, Trump was very polarizing. Absolutely. You either loved him or hated him. Yeah. Right now, some people will swear that it was rigged. But if it was rigged, they didn't do a good job proving it. And if they did do a good job proving it, then they didn't do a good job getting the law to reverse the, the results. And And here's my problem with some conspiracy theorists. Okay, this is where I, I'm pretty. I'm a pretty open-minded guy, and I'll listen to a quote-unquote conspiracy theory if if it all lines up. Mm-hmm. But my problem on this particular topic with conspiracy theorists is that they're in in one breath they're saying Trump is the guy that was going to overthrow this elite establishment of devils that are running America. And then in another breath, they're saying, well, Trump was powerless to reverse course on this rigged election. Okay. Yeah, which is it? Yeah, which is it? Exactly. Is, is he the savior, the guy that's going to bring America back from the brink of destruction at the hands of these lizard people or whatever the hell they are? Or, or is he just an impotent clown who's pouting in front of a camera and, and lamenting the fact that these bad people have all this power? He can't be both. Yeah. Well, I think people think if, it feels good to have option one. But in, in reality, um, obviously, it's not, uh, that's not that's not the actual case. And I think it, it um, the problem is, is that correlation does not imply causation, especially when you examine these cases. And I think that, you know, it's nice for people to make these sorts of connections and connecting the dots. But it's not, it's not, a, it's not like, a, it's not a real... You, you, there has to be a, a, a follow-through or, or some sort of point A to point B to point C to point D, and there has to be some sort of evidence backing each point up. And I think the problem insofar as that election or many elections is that there's enough evidence to show that something seems off, but not really to, to cohesively tie, the, you know what I mean, to tie the whole thing together. And yes, I, I think you just said it perfectly right there. Like... It's plausible in some ways, but there isn't enough evidence yes. to tie yeah. it all together. That doesn't stop some people from, from swearing by it. Yeah. But I don't think these people are judicious with their thoughts all the time, and that's no. where there's a bit of a disconnect between myself and them. So that is that is the current trend right now is that elections are being disputed constantly. I don't know how how it all went down in Brazil, what exactly set these people off to say this election specifically was rigged. Yeah. Maybe so, you know a little bit more about so it. So, all, yeah, all, all the polls leading up to... So, Brazil, just to give a little bit of context, has done a pretty good transformation relative to where they were previously. Economically, they've really... 
um, kind of anchored themselves with a couple of countries in the east. They come up with the the BRICS sort of union, which is kind of similar to our NAFTA, with uh, countries in the east, including Russia and China and India. So they've they've done they've put themselves in the right direction. They're not perfect. No country is perfect. No pol- politician or people are perfect, but they've put a foot forward in the right direction. So um, the most recent progress was under Bolsonaro. The polls were showing that Bolsonaro had a pretty decent chance to win. And then come election day, it was like this Lula guy, was he was contesting the whole way through, and then he ended up winning. And coincidentally, as they've done um, more and more right, research and investigation, the, the same manufacturer of the machines used in the United States, South America, uh, Canada, is this company called Dominion. I'm not trying to make accusations to say all these machines are faulty, but let's call a spade a spade. There's obviously, if there's contesting at every election, there is at least merit to investigate are these machines compromised in some form or fashion. But in any case... I just don't know the logistics on how that would work. I'm not saying it can, can't be done. Just saying me personally, I don't know the logistics on how I don't that know works. how they could be compromised either. But regardless, it seem, seemingly the Brazilian people are, are convinced that it is or they are compromised, and they've been protesting. This has been going on for a couple months now. They've been protesting since the election results came out, and their constitution and legal um, human rights acts and whatnot, their military is actually allowed to intervene when there's a contested election. And it's I, I don't want to say that it's... Uh, that they're going to decide who the leader is, but depending on the exact wording of this legislation, they're allowed actually to get involved in that process of sorting it out and doing the investigation. So and have they chosen to do so? They have, and they've, ch- they've mostly chosen to support Bolsonaro. What do you mean mostly? Mostly meaning there's some, there's some factions that are not supporting him because I'm assuming, like at the end of the day, there's, bri- there's probably bribery and corruption in every uh, government institution, one way or so the other. Just, just to be clear, do you think the evidence points to a rigged election? Yes, in its entirety, really. Yes, in this case, yes. Based on, I'm not. I, I've only looked at it from the surface level. I've read a handful of articles from reasonably trustworthy sources. I've looked at statistics, and to me, it's again, it's not. Where's the smoking gun? It's very close to it. I wouldn't say with 100 percent without a shadow of a doubt, but I find it very hard to, like, the, the this is not a, a, a country that is known, I mean, for me, at, at least, uh, maybe I'm naive to say that, but th- if you look at the videos, there, this is not something where they're doing a January 6th kind of protest. This is like a quasi-revolution, so to speak, where this is on days huge. upon days, millions upon millions of people. It looks people. huge. I've seen some videos where the streets are just jam-packed. With yeah. It looks like there could be millions of people out there. Yeah. And they're very passionate about it. They believe in it wholeheartedly. Right or wrong, I respect their determination. Absolutely. I, I, I have to say that. You know, the January 6th was really much to, much ado about nothing. Yeah. I mean, did you see the video where the police just let a few of them in? Yeah. Yeah. What, what the hell? They weren't. They didn't push the cop out of the way. He actually stood aside and said, yeah, all right, go ahead. There, there, and there's so many narratives there that there's so, uh, apparently or supposedly that there's, there's supposed to be multiple um, FBI agents or CIA agents that were planted within 
I suppose the the revolt, if you want to call it that. Um, I I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it, it it's. I think another part of the narrative you were referring to earlier is uh, it's very hard for an average citizen to kind of disseminate and understand and, you know, kind of aggregate all this information together to try to make sense of the whole thing. And I think that's done on purpose. So we're kind of all confused as to what the hell is going on. It just does, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like an FBI agent could be part of a revolution. Like it, logic would say, how, how the fuck is that possible? But seemingly, if you look at at least alternative news j- journalists, in my opinion, that have no bias or less of a bias than corporate journalists, it seems like that's the case. And um, I think to kind of tie it into what we were talking about earlier with Jordan Peterson is, in this case in Brazil, these guys are just the the, the communists. And they were saying, they've even been saying to the citizens prior to getting elected, quote unquote, is that um, they said, once we get in power, we're defunding the military, we're going to get rid of all dissidents. Like So they're, this is, how are they going to defund the military and remove dissidents at the same time? I don't know, but those are I, that's the, that's what they're threatening to do. Like this is, I guess they're just basically saying we're going to take all the power for ourselves. Like we're gonna we're gonna fund our own new police force, our own new military. We're gonna have a a, a new vision of Brazil. So it's kind of like a communist takeover. It's it's in and in, in concept, this is obviously on a much grander scale. It's very similar to Jordan Peterson, where again you have an institution. Or a narrative or, you know, one group that's basically saying, shut the fuck up and what we say is what's going to go down. At a later date, we'll discuss who these people might be. Yeah. Yeah. We have way too much to cover to discuss it today. Yeah. Um, So Bolsonaro, just before we change topics, Bolsonaro, he's kind of surrendered. Is that right? He's actually been seen in, no, he hasn't commented on the matter at all. He's actually been, no, he's been hanging out in Florida, of all places. Florida? Yeah. Whereabouts? I think, I want to say West, I thought I saw West Palm as the geotag, but I would imagine the Eastern Seaboard. Like he was seen at a Publix. So he's just casually, you know, I don't think I think he's not trying to draw too much attention to himself because if you have, I mean, I'm not one for violence per se, but I think that if you have a guy like that there and he's basically antagonizing or catalyzing some sort of violent response, then things can escalate pretty quickly. And our friend Mike has sent me some tweets from Bolsonaro, which I, admittedly I didn't look at because they were sent to me at a very bad time. I was a little bit busy. Yeah. But he sent me some tweets, and then he commented that Bolsonaro had basically surrendered. So is that not the case? I, I suppose you can say surrendered in the fact that he hasn't put up an official fight per se, and he hasn't he hasn't made too many official statements. So I, I I suppose if you deem that as a surrender, uh, I think he's basically letting the people trying to do the talking, from what I can gather. But I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's hard to really say. And again, now that Musk, and maybe we can take this to what we were mentioning earlier in our conversation. Now that Musk has taken over Twitter, it's great because there's less suppression, but it's also led to more, less filtration of information. So there's more information that we kind of got to go through right now. And even some of these videos before, especially depending on the country, they weren't even allowed to be released. So they'd be shared on Twitter and there was suppression of these from, from various countries. And I think okay. now that Musk is on board, 
there's just it's like a bevy of information you, again it's very hard to sort and filter mm-hmm. through okay well we are going to discuss the twitter files but um before we do i think we should touch on the ftx crypto stuff sure because twitter files i think is the best topic of them all it is we yeah. should save the best for last i think anyway, sure when you were a kid and you went to mcdonald's what did you eat first the fries the burger both at the same time uh i usually ate the i to be honest with you i like the fries last so i would eat the oh, burger first but sometimes i would i would get like a let's say it was like mcdonald's or something i would get like a big mac and then a small fry and then like a burger or a chicken sandwich on the side so like i'd have a ch- the chicken burger at the end so it depends i mean it depends well yeah i always ate the burger last Always. Yeah, no. Fries first. No, fries last. are aside. No, it's best a... for last always. Okay. Well, <laughs> they teach their own. No, I think that, I think there was like a well-respected article published that says you're a psychopath if you do it the other way around. No, nah, then I'm a fucking psychopath. Then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, FTX crypto. Yeah. What is going on here? This is this is the financial world. This is one of your one of your strong suits. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to to bring this up was, again, kind of tying in with the theme of institutions suppressing certain narratives or having this kind of monolithic approach. So FTX, um, I'll speak to it. The, there's information being released every day, so I'll speak to whatever I know up until this point. FTX was a crypto exchange run by a bunch of, I guess you can call them Ivy League sort of whiz kids that um, coming out of MIT, Stanford, so on and so forth. And they basically started a crypto exchange about four and a half, five years ago. And they opened that alongside a crypto hedge fund. And basically the gist of it is that the two co-founders were found to have been defrauding all the either investors and or people who use the exchange. So the exchange is a place where you would exchange your currency. So let's say you had Canadian dollars, you would purchase a crypto token, and they would hold your Canadian dollars. And then at some point, you could then redeem it or exchange it. What they were, in fact, doing was taking the cash and removing it off the exchange this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, or SBF, he was the, the CEO and co- one of the co-founders, and he was basically f- funneling the money in running a Ponzi scheme and a fraud, and he was funneling the money to his hedge fund, and that hedge fund was embezzling the money for personal gains and, you know, and betting this in. whole thing seem legit from the onset, or was it look shady or dodgy? I think if you are somebody in finance and you have some form of pedigree, you knew it was a fraud from the get-go. Okay, so let this be a lesson to everybody out there. Don't invest money in things you don't understand just because you want to look trendy and and smarter than you actually are. It's okay not to know about something, and it's better that you inform yourself rather than, you know, giving up your own hard-earned money to take part in some scheme where you're going to end up frustrated and looking foolish. Yeah. So I, I, I think... Th- what happened here? Like, has anyone gone to jail? So this is just literally all unravel in the past six to eight weeks. So nobody has gone to jail as of yet. The 
there's three co-founders and I, I guess C-suite executives. You can say the Sam Bankman-Fried, the main guy, he's the one who's under the most penalty, I guess you could say, under the law. He's been arrested, but he hasn't, uh, I think he's been formally charged, but I don't know when his court dates are and when he's supposed to be arraigned and whatnot. So I I think the the idea is that he's supposed to be charged, but the, the thing that's so crazy and convoluted and wild at the same time is that the level of involvement of other parties within this scheme is just like it's astronomical the, the from a, a volume perspective of money how he stole the money where he donated the money like this guy was one of the biggest i'm just reporting fact he's one of the biggest democratic donors up there with george soros and this guy went from basically zilch net worth and money to worth $30 billion in the span of four years. What? Yeah. How? Well, he was the primary shareholder of this exchange, right? So they're valuing the company. His wealth all came from this? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And he was the biggest donor to the Democratic Party? Uh, Just under George Soros. Just under George Soros. Yeah. The infamous George Soros. Yeah. Don't don't tempt me into talking about him. We don't have time. Yeah. (laughs) Another day. Another day, yeah. Um, okay, so he generated $30 billion of wealth off this one scheme. Yes. And well, the, the, the wealth figure that I just shared is a notional value, meaning it's on paper. He, he, he couldn't have ever extracted that 30 billion at one time. It was something that if you take all the, all of his assets and crypto assets, if you even want to call it an asset, I, I, I think that's up for debate, but, um, if you calculate all of it at one time, he was worth three billion. His net worth now is basically zero because obviously it's been determined it's been a massive fraud. But the so act- it has no value anymore. No, the actual cash that he was extracting from his customers is in the is in the range of eight to twelve billion dollars. So Whoa. he's either traded that in the the crypto or stock market, or he's embezzled some of that money personally himself. And they're uncovering more and more of his schemes as they being the they, they appointed a, a fraud specialist and he's now the new CEO of the company. So he's going in there to like be like a mop up crew. Um, but again, I think that the thing that I wanted to really shed light on in this situation is the same people that are trying to oppress certain individuals who we deem to be rebels, or they're trying to on a governmental level like in Brazil, trying to enforce or dictate what they want are the same people now in this exchange that are benefiting and the so we usually don't get a case where there's this level of involvement on the back end of this company where now it has to go to court normally you would want to keep this behind the scenes but because it has to be prosecuted because people lost money like u.s attorneys especially are are known in the financial world especially the southern district of new york that body itself is notorious for financial crime or at least trying to prosecute financial crime so and then whenever u.s citizens are involved they take it seriously i don't know whether that's for an image or an optics sort of framework i don't know but it they're taking it seriously so they're going to take this guy to court but the problem is is that because he was a big democratic donor and because it seems like he was involved with a lot of this money laundering and embezzling and fraud we may uncover we being um, the public may uncover through court that this guy was actually working hand in hand with the establishment. And I think 
they're going to want to put up a roadblock at some point. So it's just weird now how we have the opportunity to see these guys in all the, you know, all high and mighty trying to tell people we're going to re-educate you. Meanwhile, not that we didn't know, but it just goes to show we can see a legal case uh, rooted in numbers, how they're how corrupt they actually are. And then this is presuming that the psychiatric board is, is one branch of the same corrupt tree? If they're not one branch of the same corrupt tree, they're uh, employing the same methodology. The same methodology. So there's, yeah. there's parallels. Absolutely. I, th- I think, well, go, if we go back, and, and apologies for interjecting, but go back to what you said earlier in our conversation. You specifically mentioned it's odd or a coincidence that they all have the same narrative. They have the same talking points. They have the same agenda. What yeah, that's the, too much coincidence for me. I'm sorry. I don't care if that makes me a quote-unquote tinfoil hat person. That's just way too much coincidence but, for me. But what, what are the – imagine you're a politician. Why, why would you have your own economy, you have your own natural resources, you have your own citizens, you have your own laws, you have your own constitution, um, culture, so on and so forth. Why would you have some sort of unifying approach um, w- with, in my opinion – that you can poke a hole in with respect to the legitimacy of it, such as climate change. Why would, how is it that every single government, and it's not even, you know, you're, let's say you represent the United States and I represent Canada. We may have different approaches. You may start it in 2022, your initiative, I may start it in 2025. How is it possible that all these guys uniformly will do it? Like, I don't know. I think it's fucking bullshit that this is chance, but it reeks of collaboration. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. So people can say whatever they want. They can resist that as much as they like. But it, to me, it reeks of collaboration. Yeah. <sighs> and that that's actually, uh, I think, a fucking great segue for your burger at the end there with the Twitter files because... Well, this just isn't any burger. Yeah. It's the... This is a bur- big, juicy... Burger of burgers. Delicious, meaty burger. Yeah. Twitter files. Yeah. Wow, man, this is wild. Where do you want to start? Well, Fauci. Fa- so our our boy Fauci, he's about to uh, hit his. So so I, uh, to give a little bit of context for those who don't know, um, Elon Musk basically once given control of the servers within Twitter, he's trying to expose whatever you think of the guy. Um, I think he's trying to shed a degree of light or some form of transparency into the dialogue that may have been occurring between these parties to show how they've had a uniform approach or to show the level of um, collaboration or collusion, I suppose you could say. And there's a variety of topics that Elon has released to what he believes to be unbiased or at least impartial journalists, and they call it the Twitter files. But they're basically taking various topics on a weekly basis since I would say probably middle to end of November and they're releasing it. So yeah, Fauci is going to be one that's coming out shortly, but so nothing's come out on Fauci yet. No, I think Fauci is part of a much broader um, topic of COVID censorship. Uh, and I don't know how much we want to get into that without wanting to get canceled ourselves, but it, it's, it's a big one. I think, the the variety the the topics kind of come in a few flavors if you want to call it that so the first one that they started off was the New York Post 
They also talked about Donald Trump's suspension of his account, um, filtering content that people could see, FBI's involvement in Twitter, uh, including planting employees, funding of certain Twitter initiatives, um, how different branches of the U.S. government is involved. And they've started to just talk about the moderation of COVID-19 content. So I don't know. What do you, where do you want to start? <laughs> but they're all good. I, I, I'll defer to you. And okay. I know you know a little bit more about this stuff than I have. Sure. I've been uh, a so preoccupied we'll, lately. Yeah. So we'll start with, I guess, the, the first topic that was released, which was the content moderation of the New York Post story. Okay. So I think this one in particular really centered on, and the New York Post story in question is when uh, the New York Post published an article just prior to the November, I think it's 2020 election between Trump and Biden. And this article in particular was exposing the level of corruption that Hunter Biden had with the variety of business dealings uh, stemming from China and the beloved Ukraine. Um, (laughs) So... uh, it was basically at the time censored right away. I think it was under the guise that it was misinformation from our good friends in Russia because obviously Putin, he's just right place, right time consistently, according to Hillary Clinton. Um, but essentially, they, they censored the story altogether. I think it was one of the most disgusting and despicable things that any journalistic crew could have attempted to do and uh, executed, actually. So... They censored that story completely, and nobody knew, unless you're on Twitter. I mean, how many people do you think are on Twitter? I don't, I don't know. Um, and then if you are on Twitter, what are the odds that you saw that story, you follow the right people, so on and so forth? So by the time you get to the crowd that may know of its existence and how it could influence the election, I don't know. It's such a small sample size. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. It was definitely surprised. And who specifically surprised it? So... In this particular uh, story, the it's um, alleged that the Twitter safety board with the uh, head of their legal team, her name, if I mispronounce it, it's Vijaya Gade. And she was, if you've followed any part of the Twitter kind of debacle in the past two or three years, she was um, on Joe Rogan's podcast, I want to say just before covid along with Tim Pools, an independent journalist. And I think um, it was the, the CEO at the time, Jack Dorsey. And she was at the time trying to infer that Twitter is absolutely not corrupt, absolutely impartial, and was the beacon of uh, free speech. So essentially it was down to her and a handful of individuals on the safety committee i suppose and this particular story under the twitter files showed the dialogue on their internal slack which is like kind of like a teams sort of server and it was just showing the dialogue and email chain between the correspondence between these individuals and politicians mm. so essentially the politicians influenced the people high up within twitter and then twitter went back and forth internally. And to some of the employees' credit, they did state that, you know, we can't suppress, like we shouldn't be suppressing this information. Like the New York Post should have the ability to, you know, have free discourse. And I think it came down to the safety and legal team. And they basically said, no, this is Russian disinformation according to our sources at the CIA and FBI, which I don't know. To me, they're both two crooked organizations. So take from that what you will. But that's kind of a brief 
synopsis, I suppose, of, of that particular expose? So the alphabet agencies reached out to Twitter. Yeah. And they said, you can't run certain stories because our intel has classified them as Russian disinformation. Correct. Okay. And that wasn't valid. Correct. Okay. And, and now we have proven that conclusively, that it wasn't valid. Correct. And we also have uh, email correspondence and Slack correspondence that shows like their, their process to go from when the article came out and why they were suppressing it. And I guess federal agents are immune from prosecution. That's uh, why we haven't seen any charges late. Not in yet. Not yet. I mean, yeah, you, you, I think this goes back to what you were saying regarding the 2020 election earlier. You need to have, you know, for lack of a better word, you need to have the balls to prosecute this. So you can, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face, and I, I, a lot of Twitter folk do, but it doesn't hasn't changed anything. Like Vijaya Gadi, in my opinion, she should be charged. That's the lawyer. That's the law. Yeah. Coincidentally, yeah, the lawyer. The lawyer, yeah. She was on Joe Rogan. Yeah. With uh, Tim Pool. Yeah. Very snarky, very, we don't do this. This is what our policy is. We advocate for this. Again, coincidentally, they're pushing the exact same narrative as what you were alluding to earlier. Right. Climate change, woke ideology. Climate change. How annoying is that, man? Yeah. It's I went to, like, you know, when you go to the grocery store, they give you the plastic bags you use for the garbage? Yeah. Yeah, they stopped doing that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're... Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you going to save the planet by doing this? Yeah. Unbelievable. So now they want to give you those stupid reusable bags that I hate. Yeah. You know, I have so many of them. Like, what am I supposed to do with all these stupid reusable bags? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just I'm getting fed up with the whole thing. Quite honestly, they're pushing electric cars. Like, why? Can our grid even handle every single person in this country having an electric car? Absolutely not. So then what the hell are they, what? What is their end game here? uh, Well, if I was to put my conspiracy hat on, I think it's a way to funnel everybody to having one form of transportation with no centralization of one method of life, this case transportation. But electric cars suck. They do and I don't suck, care yeah. who knows it. Yeah. Okay, they suck. You own a Tesla? Fuck you. Your car sucks. Okay, you own an alternative to a Tesla? Fuck you. Your car sucks. Yeah. I don't want a car that I have to plug in at the end of the night like a damn cell phone. Yeah. And that the battery might fail me when I'm out driving or, you know, handling my business, doing my day-to-day. And I have to watch, oh, am I using the stereo too much and whatever. Also, they mine for these batteries, do they not? They do. Okay, so how is that better for the environment? It's not. It's worse. Okay. And I don't know how true this is, but apparently if you're in an accident with one of those, it's like a bomb. Is that true? It's yeah, they're they're they're. I mean, I wouldn't say a bomb, but they're they're very combustible for sure. They're very combustible. Yeah. I've been in a Tesla. It gave me vertigo. They're, and they're not well made either, to tell you the truth. They're pretty. They're, they're made pretty poorly, and um, I would also say, from a repair standpoint, they're fucking bloody expensive. Like you're, if you need to repair any portion of it, or you need to order new batteries. You might as well just buy a new car. So, I don't think not only they're not cost effective or environmentally friendly, they're just not practical at this point in time, and they're not really robust either. Like what, ha- like you said, what happens if you? 
damage it. Like it's not like you can just go to a mechanic shop and you need certain types of service and certain types of parts. So yeah, no, they can go reinvent the wheel on someone else. I'm not interested. Yeah, um, I have no interest at all. Also, I hated being in one. I was a passenger, and I got vertigo. The way it accelerates and then decelerates is very unnatural. And then there's no noise. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. It's like a golf cart. It's like a golf cart. It's weird. I did not enjoy it at all. I, I, I don't get the appeal either. Like, to me, it's, I don't know, there's something about a naturally exacerbated. Yeah, fuck your green exhaust. license plate. You're not saving the universe. You're not better than anyone else. Yeah, and if you if you break down the supply chain, not to go too much in this topic, but you're, it's exact. And it, where are you fucking getting the electricity? Because <laughs> that's that's what you're powering the vehicle with. So if you're burning coal to make the electricity, yeah, this, to this whole thing the car, just seems like one big exercise in stupidity. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, right. I heard hydrogen is not a bad idea, but it's just a little bit too combustible. Yeah, hydrogen is not great. The be- the best form relative to what we know right now is. Um, nuclear energy but in a, in a car no but to charge electric vehicles that would be a one yeah, step better electric vehicles is not that's not the answer man no so what, why is hydrogen no good hydrogen to my understanding is it's just not uh, the the storage and the transportation and the it's too I, flammable. I think i don't know if it's yeah i think too flammable is one concern i so i think safety is one element i just think it's not it's not economical it's not practical i think that Sourcing the product, transportation of the product, storage of the product, and the safety risks, I think all in all. Like there's a reason why the market the market chose gas for a reason. That's because it's it's the most suitable for our needs and it's the most economical. It's yes, there may wow. be I don't know, man. Gas prices are pretty high right now. Yeah, well they're high not well, that's for political reasons. Well I don't get to, yeah. we can we can have another podcast just on that, but that that that's that's all bullshit. I mean, if you if you get rid of our carbon tax, which is supposedly, I love how these fucking politicians, in order to save everything, we must tax the people more. That's a beautiful solution for them. So yeah, there's a lot of really dumb people that buy into that. I yeah. just I'm not one of them. I can never be one of them. So yeah. Somebody said to me, "Oh, the carbon tax is good. We get money back." Mm-hmm money that was ours to begin with is that what you're referring to because we're getting taxed to can you believe we live in a world where i actually have to explain that to someone so if i take two hundred dollars right out of your pocket just steal it from you and i gave you back 50 are you going to tell people that i'm a great guy and i gave you 50 bucks yes the answer is all all the robots will say yes yeah wow yeah me personally i think that's fucked but you know that that's uh wow so Trump was right with this, with respect to this Twitter files stuff. He was right, absolutely. And there was another one that was um, specifically released on him. And perhaps we can make that the next one, and we'll briefly go over that. Um, one of the Twitter files that was released was specifically with <laughs> they, they phrase it as the attack on the cap. I, I I think that's a, a little too much, but we'll call it the attack on the Capitol on yeah. January 6th, which to some Democratic politicians was equivalent to the Holocaust, supposedly. Wow. And Who said that? Uh, I think AOC and one of uh, her... AOC has to her be band of one of the men. smartest people out there right yeah, now. Yeah, she's up there, up there with Einstein for sure. I so. mean, she's just brilliant, some yeah. of the things she says. <laughs> yeah. 
You ever see that video where she's she posted a video on Twitter where she was making fun of Elon Musk and she was chewing like a cow? No. <laughs> no, no. Let me tell you something. I'm like, man, you were just too dumb. Just yeah. too dumb. Everything yeah. about you just screams dumb. Yeah. And she, some people think she's smart. Yeah. Like, isn't that, doesn't that terrify you? Yeah, it just goes to show you how many dumb people are actually out there. She is the biggest airhead I have ever seen. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess anyone can get elected these days. Well, she's got the backing of uh, our boy Soros. So and anything's possible with George. This, this is the thing, right? I'm not the biggest Trump guy. You know, some people love Trump. Some people hate Trump. I don't hate him. I don't love him. I think he he said a lot of things that needed saying. Yeah. I think that he was definitely funny in some of the things he said. And I definitely disliked the people that hated him. So, I, I mean, in that respect, I ended up finding common ground with him. But, like, especially now, I, I'm so over it with this guy, Trump. But anyway, where I was going with this is one of the common criticisms you hear made against Trump is that he is not statesman-like in his approach. Like in a professional capacity? In a professional way, yeah. He doesn't have that statesmanship. Right. Okay. So my rebuttal to that is what an AOC does? Yeah. Like, how is it people who are proud Democrats, they often say that. It was like, oh, well, you know, he doesn't represent America well. You know, America is, quote, unquote, the world leader, and that's not a guy fit for the for task. For the task. AOC, though, you have no problem with the way she represents herself or any of those weirdos in the Pelosi. squad. Pelosi. Pelosi. Oh. She's a drunk. Yeah. But... <clears throat> Like I said, of all the things to criticize Trump for, that should have never been one of them. Um, I criticize Trump for his narcissism, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and ultimately, I think he was very ineffectual in a lot of what he did. He was just a big, big talker. He He's would, a showman. <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, he would promise a lot of stuff, but he rarely delivered. He promised justice in a variety of ways. He never delivered. Mm-hmm. You remember his biggest one-liner ever where Hillary Clinton said it's a good thing someone with your temperament doesn't isn't in charge of the law in this country? And he goes, yeah, because you'd be in jail. Yeah. Yeah, how'd that work out? As far as I know, he didn't even try to prosecute her. No, I don't think so. So, yeah, I mean, it's just... He said what the people wanted to hear, but he didn't exactly, follow through. Exactly. He spoke for the silent majority, but he never followed through on anything. He also never pardoned any of those people on January 6th, by the way. Yeah. He didn't do that. No. And I think to kind of shed some light on uh, the, the Twitter file that was associated with this particular case, uh, it goes hand in hand with that attack on the Capitol. Um, so the, the Slack channels showed that uh, they, they created it. So once um, I, I suppose that these events started to unravel and come to fruition, the Twitter staff um, Specifically, I think I think they started this before. So, according to the dialogue from Matt Tybee, which is a, another independent um, journalist, um, he 
stated that the in- internal s- channels within Twitter showed that they created a sub conversation channel called US t- 2020 enforcement and that was to discuss content removal that pertain to the upcoming 2020 United States presidential election and it was used to moderate President Trump's tweets. So this happened before the January 6th event and then the removal of President Trump, but you can already see that they were starting to plant seeds or something to that effect before that happened. And I think the way it kind of occurred at that point in time was that uh, he was starting to tweet sparingly about what happened on January 6th uh, and the attack on the Capitol. And the I don't have it in front of me right now, but there's dialogue that, sh- that shows the back and forth between the Twitter uh, employees. And this is one of their big guys, Yoel Roth. Um, he, he was um, their head of safety um, and trust at Twitter. And he basically started to work with FBI agents to ask them, Okay, what what what's this guy basically like? Do you guys approve of what he's doing, or do you think it's a threat to democracy? I love that fucking line, threat to democracy. They're not a fucking democracy; they're a constitutional republic. So get that out of your fucking head. Sorry, um, but they they uh, they they start to have dialogue to the effect that you know we we're starting to see again with Vijaya Gotti. We we need, we should start deplatforming or removing his tweets because Trump was supposedly and allegedly tweeting, which he wasn't, um, to his credit. He wasn't saying attack or stuff. He was saying we should not use violence and so on and so forth. But that was enough for them to, they were on the fence. And to some, again, employees' credit, they said, "How? Are, this is the first time that we're going to take down a head of state. Like, this is not something that we can do. This is not what this platform is for. And basically, they didn't give a shit. And then I think it says here, um, he tweeted. That's bold, man. Yeah. They did. He did two tweets on January eighth. That was basically the catalyst, and they removed him the next day. Yeah, that's bold. To ban a sitting president is really, really bold. Under further incitement of violence, that was the exact reasoning. But if you look at his tweets, they, he did nothing to that effect. What violence, though? There was only one person killed, and that it was, a, I believe, a woman shot by the police. That's correct. An armed woman. Yeah, there was no. If you look at the events, I, I guess the violence you would say is. They're acting out of what would be a normal day in in society, and they and that and that they were just allowing themselves. Well, they didn't even allow them. The fucking cops let them in. So, yeah, I saw that. I saw the video where the police officer stepped aside and let them in. Yeah, they had, they did not look like they were going to charge past him. No, they were stopped in front of him, and he just kind of moved. Yeah, yeah, that was, was strange, man. You charge people up if you take it just. We'll translate that let's say to like a soccer game or a match and you're in the stands like you get enough people together enough i don't know if they're drinking at january 6th but let's just say they're drinking at a soccer game things can get pretty wild pretty quick yeah we know that we've seen it a million times yeah so i don't you know maybe one once this cop opens up the door and one person goes and then two people go and then everyone's like holy shit maybe we should be going in and then one thing leads to another group think that, you know, starts to kick in, and then you just you think in the in terms of a crowd. You're not really thinking individually. Yep, definitely happens a lot. Yeah, I, I think mentality. Yeah, and I think the one thing that I wanted to kind of you know kind of encapsulate with the last Twitter file that I think is 
important for the, this discussion to kind of wrap it up is we're looking from the first two, you see that there's a level of uh, FBI or CIA involvement in both. And specifically, one of the more recent files was reporting that the FBI had planted former employees on these committees, on these boards inside of Twitter, and they're specifically moderating content according to what they see is fit or appropriate to be online. So I think, without getting into too much detail, I think that just thought on the surface level is is fucked in and of itself. Like it's it's crazy that you know how, how why is a government organization basically dictating to to uh, what's supposed to be a free speech platform what they can and cannot say. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I think all, all in all, it's just showing the, a level of corruption that we may have known, but the fact that it's now being broadcast out to the public. Well, we may have suspected. Yeah, sorry. We may have suspected, suspected. with good reason. We may have even been able to deduce with good reason. But yeah, the evidence, as more and more evidence comes to light, it seems to support that theory. And these are strange times we're living in, man. Conspiracy theories seem to be coming true left, right, and center. But we should. I don't know if we've done this in the past. What, what's a conspiracy theory? Like a conspiracy theory, by in, definition, in, in earnest. Is, what's is, a conspiracy is, theory? Is something that is um, basically lambasted by mainstream establishments as propaganda that's unsubstantiated. So, a perfect example of that would be in the beginning of COVID. Um, some people said that the precautionary measures that they were using yeah. in, the, in the beginning was going to lead to more restrictions, was going to lead to vaccine mandates, mm-hmm. and they did. But at, at the time, initially in the beginning, remember, the idea of a vaccine mandate meaning the government will say you have to accept this vaccination or you will not be able to um, go out and enjoy the freedoms you've enjoyed and you've known your entire life. You may not even be able to keep your job. Hmm. Some people said right from the onset that that was going to be the case. And that was dismissed as a conspiracy theory because at, at the time it was not substantiated. But the people who propagated this deduced, based on what they were seeing, however they, they deduced it, I shouldn't presume for them, that this was going to be the course. Mm. And they were right. Um, another quote-unquote conspiracy theory was that Fauci had something to do with the virus with his gain-of-function research. I don't know where that ended, but he, he had to pretty much answer for he had a Senate hearing. He had a Senate hearing where he had to answer for this. Mm-hmm. And he was asked about it. I don't know if it ever went anywhere. But anyway, a conspiracy theory in a nutshell is something that people deduce from observation that has not been openly admitted by mainstream media, members of government, not all members of government, members of prominent members of government, uh, members of government that are in good standing mm. with the social establishment. Right. 
Republicans. So we don't mean guys like Donald Trump because yeah. everything Donald Trump said was basically labeled a conspiracy theory. But if, if Joe Biden says it, then it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a conspiracy theory in a nutshell. It's information that people deduce yeah. based on observation that has not been a an accepted narrative from the media establishment and their panel of experts. And what, what would you say is how it's it's been used now? And we can even start with how our buddies in the CIA in the 60s kind of coined that term to begin with. So they'll dispute that they didn't. They will dispute, um, I think, Snopes, which is basically two jerk-offs in a basement somewhere saying that everything is fake. Yeah. Uh, they'll say that the, the CIA didn't coin that term. Oh, they fact-checked that. They fact-checked it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Snopes is, I don't know what, they say everything is fake. Yeah. I don't know anyone who still uses Snopes. Yeah. Is, is that what it's called, Snopes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think their, their 15 minutes of fame is pretty much done. Yeah. Because they'll say anything is fake. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. So um, that's that's why it was so. Even the conspir- even the origin of the term conspiracy, conspiracy theory, theory is now a conspiracy <laughs> theory. <laughs> so yeah, but listen, cons- some conspiracy theories are out to lunch. Flat, yeah. flat Earth, flat Earth is just ridiculous. But who would be conspire? Like, so that's the element of if if you guys want to have a good critical thinking methodology to have an understanding of these topics in a rational way ask yourself who's incentivized to do what who benefits and in this case who's conspiring what parties or two parties or individuals are conspiring that somebody could theorize about so in a flat earth who who, what would be what's the incentive to number one create this conspiracy how would it be done and then who benefits out of the earth being a flat versus round like i it, to me it's not it's yeah the other way around right they think that we're the powers that be are benefiting from the world being flat uh, people believing that the world is round mm-hmm. also though the faked moon landing thing that one's i just i can't get into that one yeah why why uh, like tell me why, why I, I, that's what i'm saying what's the incentive though i don't i don't right. understand and what's the reasoning but the, there are some things that you can just observe and deduce that there's, at the very least, there's more to the story than what the media is reporting on. JFK, the assassination of JFK, that's very interesting. That definitely seem there definitely seems like there's more going on than just what they said. Mm-hmm. So, not all conspiracy theories are garbage, but some definitely are. Yeah. I, I think what we'll start to see to kind of wrap everything up from what we set up until this point is I think w- as these topics come to the forefront and more and more people start theorizing, so to speak, or becoming more skeptical or questioning or being identified as a rebel, I think the suppressive force on the opposite side of that is going to become even more aggressive so to speak and more drastic because as more and more things get uncovered or as they try to funnel us i think like you know i think most people at least on a cultural level hopefully or or maybe even individually have some 
degree of sovereignty. So I think the more and more rights you take away, maybe I'm projecting, I'm saying my well, own. I'll, I'll give you a great example on a, a conspiracy, quote-unquote conspiracy theory that I believe in. Okay. The pronouns, I do believe that that is a coordinated effort. I just don't know to what end, or at least I cannot say with any degree of confidence to what end. But the pronouns, this being a thing, where they're actually... You, have you seen it on an email yet where someone will list their pronouns? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I do believe that that is some coordinated effort um, where a group of very powerful entities are working in collaboration to make this a thing. And here's why I believe that. Okay. What percentage of the world is transgender? Less than one percent. Less than one, a lot less than one percent. Yeah, significantly a lot less. less. Yeah. Okay. You want every single person on Earth to disclose their pronouns to appease an infinitesimal fraction of a percentage of the population. Yes. What, what, what's Supposedly, that about? Yeah, allegedly, yeah. What's that about? That doesn't make sense. Forced uh, speech, I suppose. Right. Another conspiracy theory. Now, before I go on, I have no problem with gay people at all. Gay people are just like anyone else. They're they're people. Mm-hmm. They're they're they should be afforded the same rights as everyone else. I naturally believe that. Mm-hmm. Right. You're born free, and everyone should have rights, That's regardless right. of what you look like yeah. or whatever your sexual identity is. Why are they so aggressive in pushing homosexuality on the mainstream? What I mean by that is um, I was in the bookstore the other day and I saw a children's book titled The Gay BCs. Now, a book, any, yeah, yeah. So now any book that's teaching the ABCs is obviously geared towards a very, very young audience. Mm-hmm. An audience, say, too young to be interested in sex. Or to have the, the correct mental state to formulate uh, yeah. these concepts. Yeah, you're, yeah. Way, you're way too early for that. Yeah. Why do you feel it's important to educate a two-year-old on homosexuality? Indoctrination. I, sure. I, it seems as plausible a reason as any at this point. A two-year-old shouldn't know anything about sex. Heterosexual, homosexual, pansexual, or otherwise. A two-year-old has no business being spoken to about sex Mm -hmm. in any context. Yeah. They're way too young. Um, This is a true story. A friend of mine, son, I think he was 12, came home and said, Dad, am I gay? His father said, why did you ask me that? And he said, well, I was with my friend. We'll call his friend Billy. And another boy said, you two are always together. You're gay. And then he said, Dad, I turned around and I said to that boy, I'm not gay. You're gay. (laughs) Right? Like typical kid response. (laughs) Right? The teacher overheard. And guess which boy she reprimanded? She reprimanded my friend's son. And she says, how do you know you're not gay? You're too young to make that decision for yourself. You might be gay. So the kid was confused. Like, yeah. Oh, I mean, here I thought I just had a friend. You're telling me this adult, this authority figure is telling me I'm gay? Yeah. 
I've got a lot to think about. So, you know, he went home and he asked his dad. And his dad goes, what? What? He went to the school and he tore a strip off of them, rightfully so. Yeah. Right? I mean, in my day, the teacher would have told us both to shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Or actually, if I'm being honest, the teacher would have probably said, you're both gay. (laughs) Get out of my sight. (laughs) You know, they weren't really that politically correct um, in, in those days. But... Anyway, <clears throat> that was odd, but it seems like there's a there's this big push to promote homosexuality. I'm like, homosexuality doesn't need to be promoted. It's a free country. If you're gay, you're gay. If you're straight, you're straight. I don't know why it's become so public. I don't know why it's they're so aggressive. Do you notice when you watch television right now, it's like they have to have a token gay character? Yeah. They'll write them in somehow. Yeah, even in movies too. Or a few, right? You know who didn't do that? Top Gun. Top Gun. That's right. Maverick. Because Top Gun was all about flying and kicking ass. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's you know, the thing is, the reason why a lot of people, and, and a lot of them won't admit it, but the reason why a lot of people find that so abrasive is because it just reeks of it being contrived. Yeah. It's like, I know you're just putting this in there because you're trying to beat me over the head with it. Yeah. That's why I'm resisting it. I'm not resisting it because I dislike gay people. Yeah. Okay. As a matter of fact, I don't even go around asking people's sexuality. And I've had this debate with people so many times because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we got to be more inclusive and make gay people feel welcome in our society. I said, when, when's the last time you went out to a bar? to a restaurant, to a, to a cafe, and they stopped you at the door and said, you're not gay, are you? Yeah. Because <laughs> if you are, you can't come in here. Yeah. Right? I, it's I, the opposite now. It's like, are you a white male, a uh, hegemonic male that you're blah, 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 you can't fucking... No, but, but, but seriously, yeah, I know. like, who, who, what, what is... Who, who we don't have... They? We don't... It's not... Maybe it's... Po- I'm not trying to say it doesn't happen at all with, with 100% certainty. I can literally tell you I've never seen that before. I Me mean, neither, but I'm, I'm just saying that I suppose there could be some individual out there, but like for the vast majority, 99.9% of the time, it's not an issue. Who are these people that need to be re-educated? Jordan who? Peterson. Yeah, no, but for, seriously, like, who are they? No, yeah, no, I think we're pretty, especially in Canada, we're pretty excited. Are they trying to safeguard against some rude person saying rude things to you? I, I, I hate to break it to you. There's no guarantees against that, no matter what you are. Yeah. There, no matter what you are. Yeah. I know people that have been accosted for the dumbest reason. Yep. You know, just the dumbest reason, and they've been accosted by some rude person on public. There's no way to safeguard against that. But I do believe most people, if they're not outright decent, they're at least too timid. Yeah, that's to, fair to say. To, you know, to confront and give you a hard time about any one particular thing. And those obnoxious, bold people, they're always going to find a reason to harass somebody. So you're telling me that you're doing all this to silence that tiny percentage of the population that goes out looking to harass others i've never harassed a gay person of you no so they have dominated media they have influenced all these different establishments into promoting homosexuality to whose benefit yeah this is what i don't understand now i I, i'm not going to sit here and tell you where they're going with this but it's clear that it's being pushed. It's clear. Yeah, some sort of plan, some sort of 
operation is being it's collaborated it's it's, it's obvious yeah something some way in some form or fashion is being executed the gay bcs really yeah i know it's got i mean the education part is really where you start to tranny reading hour what what is the hell is that the grooming the pedophilia all of it okay so now they'll ban you if you call them groomers you know that right i didn't know that no yeah so a lot of people on twitter were getting banned for calling drag queens groomers see you know when i hear that and sometimes i I don't like to get so i I suppose sadistic but why when do we become so tolerant of disgusting debauchery degenerative behavior that is it's it's confusing to me like i don't give a shit if i'm calling you a groomer, uh, a zoomer, boomer, whatever fucking term you want to use, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You're you're committing acts and behaviors that are disgusting, regardless of whatever the the the, the name is irrelevant. I don't, I don't know uh, what they go on the offensive, right? As opposed to them being on the defensive, which is something you and I discussed the other day. They go on the offensive. Yeah. Okay. And I just want to know from whoever organizes these events, what the benefit is. Why does a drag queen need to read to a child? What is it you're hoping to achieve with this? I think the people who actually, the people who do it are puppets. They're just, they're just committing the acts because it makes them feel good or it makes them feel superior. So so that, that, that proves the point. Yeah. So if they're a puppet, as, as you suggested, then someone's holding the strings. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm inclined to agree with you because it's just too broad of an effort. It's, this isn't one place that's doing it. Yeah, it's global. If it's not global, it's at least national. Well, I think it's global, for with the exception of probably eastern countries like Russia and China, and mm. where they're a little bit more orthodox or conservative, conservative in, or in uh, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see. Let's say that this is just some innocuous effort to educate children. What are you educating them on? So you're letting them know at a very young age that in the off chance they see a man dressed as a woman, they are to embrace such behavior? Like, what, what is it you're trying to... Officially, what's your narrative? What are you trying to achieve? That's what I would love to know. Exclu- uh, no, inclusivity. Inclusivity. Diversity. But again, we're talking Equality. about the tiniest fraction of a percentage of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, Jordan Peterson was on a podcast, I think, uh, some point last year, and he made a, a great point about if we f- if we choose as people to form societies and cultures, the commonality that we all share, in this case, let's call it sexual preference, we're all under the understanding that that we have those common characteristics with each other. But as soon as you start making the exception and you start promoting the exception as the norm, the whole thing destabilizes and you can't form a cohesive, like you can't form big groups on that scale. Right. So as soon as you start making an exception, in this case, statistically proven, I'm not trying to say like, you know, people, and that's the other thing, people don't understand fucking numbers. If there's a thousand people who might say they're they're transgender as an example. A thousand people is a lot of people, but relative to smaller figures, a thousand people relative to millions is sorry to say it's not it's not a lot. It's insignificant statistically. Mm-hmm. So 
if insignificant figures are influencing massive groups of people and what we perceive to be norms, which are not offensive, that's just our biology, um, then the whole thing becomes destabilized. So that could also be another incentive for these individuals who are pulling the strings to try to accomplish because then people don't understand. And then, like you said, if they're decent or timid, they're not going to want to offend others. And you're, we're in this situation now where you go to a, a bank and on the bank, instead of promoting, you know, lending rates and, you know, different forms of investment product, they're promoting all these, you know, woke narratives and things of that nature when the majority of their clients are, don't represent those characteristics. So, I don't see the purpose in doing that. I think it's stupid. But I understand the need to try to be having open dialogue. But I don't, like you said, nobody's being persecuted the way it was in the past. No. <clears throat> no. And if they were, you definitely wouldn't be able to do the things you're doing. Yeah. There would be a very volatile reaction to this stuff. Yeah. Instead, it's just a bunch of frustrated people saying, why are you doing this to my kid? Yeah. So that's something in of itself that keeps me up at night. I wonder these things is who who is making these decisions and to what end. But uh I think we better wrap up. We'll continue this discussion because there's there's more on the Twitter files, right? Yeah, yeah, and even even how all we've discussed especially in the last 10 15 minutes how that portends into future societal implications and mm-hmm. our dialogue and future podcasts. Sounds good. So let's um, let's wrap up. I just want to say that if you've enjoyed listening to this exchange of ideas, this breakdown, this critical thinking breakdown of these issues, please share this podcast with a friend, a relative, or anyone you think might want to hear it. Um, we need to basically promote open dialogue and critical thinking as much as we can, especially nowadays. And um, if this wasn't your cup of tea, then keep it moving, Karen. But, and, a, uh, and the Twitter account is uh, on the horizon. Yes, there'll be a Twitter account coming out very, very soon. So if there's nothing else, we wish you well and Godspeed. Thanks, Thanks for listening.